It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, local experts on the biggest stories. Locked On Vikings. Locked On Podcast Network, episode 431. It's Sam and it's Sage. I'm Sam Ekstrom, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, covering the Vikings, zonecoverage.com. The co-host is the former NFL quarterback, former Vikings quarterback, Sage Rosenfels. He's on Twitter, at Sage Rosenfels 18. Uh, The big talker has got to be the paddleboarding from last weekend. I know you were pumped about it to get out on Lake Minnetonka or Lake Calhoun or something like that. Uh, how did it go? Well, not Lake Calhoun anymore. They call it something else. I can't think of think of the name. BD so, Makaska uh, or something along yes. those lines. Yeah. Yes, they changed it. It was great. I'd never paddleboard before. I decided to go ahead and make the investment uh, a few weeks ago, bought a paddleboard and had it shipped to my house and, uh, one of these pedal boards that blows up. It took me about, oh, seven to ten minutes to blow up. That was a little workout. And then, uh, yeah, then out on, on the lake. And it wasn't that hard. So it was a little breezy that day. Uh, it's a real big one. It's like 11 feet uh, long paddle board. So you can actually fit two people on it uh, if they're a little bit smaller. So, yeah, I had a great time, great workout, and something I'll be able to, you know, take with me wherever I travel to. I can take it to Colorado. Uh, I can obviously take it you know, across Iowa and up to Minneapolis when I go up there. So it's nice to have some, the paddleboard that blows up and, and you can deflate it and put it in your car really easily and, and, and travel around with it. Yeah, that sounds really handy. So if you wanted to go out on the water near Omaha, uh, where would you go? Oof. That's a good question. Not a lot of lakes around here. Uh, Omaha is sort of inept at natural environment, uh, you know, with things to do. So there are these sand pit lakes, believe it or not, uh, just west of Omaha in the valley uh, is a whole bunch of sand pits, 100-year-old sand pits they've been digging up for years to use sand for, you know, who knows what. And as they dig them, they slowly sort of create them into what would be neighborhoods, basically, and now people are building, you know, $2 million houses on these uh, these huge old sand pits. That's pretty much the lakes down here. Other than that, people from Omaha, it's amazing, they'll, they'll drive up to Okoboji. Uh, people from Minneapolis, kind of Okoboji, northwest Iowa. It's about three and a half hours from Omaha, and that's one of the places that people actually drive to who have a boat or or want to spend some time on the lake. So, yeah, not a lot of uh, lake options around here. There's some small lakes that are you know, man-made lakes that are basically large ponds that uh, that might be my my Omaha area uh, paddleboarding spot. So you know, well, I haven't found one yet here yet that I've uh, that I've used yet. That was my first time this weekend up uh, up in Uptown. Yeah, that sounds super fun. Some of those lakes over there are gorgeous. They're fun to to walk around, bike around. You can get out on the paddleboard like you did. You can get segways and you can go around. It's it's a really good time on a nice summer weekend in Minneapolis. That's awesome. Um, what do we talk about football wise today? I think we, we did carry over one topic from last week, the Jameis Winston suspension, three games suspended this year. I'm not sure if he's appealed that or if that's subject to appeal, but uh, it's for allegedly, 
uh, harassing and or groping an Uber driver, something along those lines. And there's been a lot of conflicting stories about it. And I think uh, some of the inconsistency in the stories is why he probably is suspended because it seems like the story keeps changing. Uh, where, where do you think Bucks fans are at with the Jameis Winston era? Because I'm sure expectations were sky high and they have yep. yet to be fulfilled. And they were looking for a quarterback, you know, big time. That was a position need for a number of years uh, in Tampa. And, and you know, I, I, I tell you what, I did a radio interview yesterday, and they brought both Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, and you know, sort of comparing the two. It's always nice to go back and you know compare uh, the first pick in the draft with the second pick in the draft, or maybe the first quarterback taken with the second quarterback taken, and those two are all you know forever linked. When Peyton Manning was drafted and Ryan Leaf was number two guy, those guys would be forever linked. But my thoughts on Jameis Winston were this, you know, coming into the NFL, people weren't really concerned about his physical, uh, you know, set of talents. Uh, you know, he's a talented thrower. He's a good athlete. He had really good football smarts, understood the game. Um, and so that was, you know, what made him number one pick. The, what the concern was his maturity level. I think uh, in sort of a, a double negative for Tampa is that uh, now that he's in the NFL, there are still some of those maturity issues, which was the number one concern. But probably another concern is, you know, physically, he's got physical talent, but not high-end physical talent. He doesn't have a huge arm. He doesn't have a super quick release. Uh, he throws too many interceptions. Uh, he hasn't, you know, sort of lit up. Uh, the scoreboard when you know when he's gone in when he's been in there the last couple of years so you know he he might be somewhere in the middle of the pack in the NFL maybe lower uh, you know and maybe around the 20 mark as far as where you rate him in the top you know 32 quarterbacks in the league uh, he's not in the top half so uh, you know he's on the field he's, he hasn't turned out to be a great quarterback and off the field he's having some trouble uh, meanwhile on the other side uh, Mariota over in Tennessee. Uh, you know, he's done everything. You knew he was going to do everything right off the field. You know, he was going to be the perfect sort of leader of that franchise, the the quarterback that took the reins and, and did everything right, which he has. Uh, he has not put up huge numbers, uh, but they're also in an offense uh, with Mike Malarkey in previous years that was uh, extremely run-oriented, conservative, sort of ground-and-pound type of offense, throw the ball a little bit, but wasn't a high-flying attack. They now have a, a new coordinator in there, a guy who comes from the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay system, and I, and I think that could really help you know Mariota you know on the field to to, to put up be, better numbers to be a be, you know better quarterback. And so you know right now, I, if you look at those two guys, I think I'm taking Mariota with that number two pick uh, as the better quarterback of the two that I'd rather have as my franchise guy. Now I'm looking through the 2015 draft, and did you remember that that those were the only quarterbacks taken? in the first round, which is kind of remarkable. It seems like we've had five or six in the first round most of the last few years, but uh, that was very top-heavy. I'm trying to see if there's a better quarterback that came out of that class, and I'm, wow, I'm scrolling down a long ways, and I'm not finding anyone. Garrett Grayson was a third-round pick. I'm not sure where he's at these days, maybe still with uh, the Saints. Uh, the Rams took Sean Mannion. Boy, that was a, a shallow quarterback draft class I don't think anybody really came out of there that could could challenge those two for uh, best quarterback in the draft unless there's someone late Brett Hundley was in that draft fifth round uh, he's gotten a little bit of run obviously wasn't too successful but um yeah with, with Jameis it's it's been tough 
Uh, there's been a lot of mistakes along the way on and off the field. And get this, Sage. Here are the three games that he's going to miss. At the Saints, home against the Eagles, and then home against the Steelers. Arguably three of maybe the top eight teams in the league that he's going to miss, and it's going to be up to yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing about Fitzpatrick. He doesn't really care who he's playing. The guy's not scared of anything on the NFL football field. He's been around so long and, and seen so many things, and uh, he's been hit. He's been knocked down. He's lost games. He's won big games. He's thrown a lot of touchdown passes. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. You know, he's got the big beard. Uh, he's probably like the perfect quarterback, quarterback to step into a situation like a situation like this because you know, sort of his I don't care almost attitude. It feels like that where he does care, uh, but nothing's going to really bother him, and, and he's not going to be fearful uh, of playing three good football teams. And so uh, I think that attitude could be infectious. Uh, it could be good for that Tampa Bay team, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's not good that their backup quarterback has to start the first three games of the year. Uh, this is, again, this is the concern of Jameis Winston coming into the NFL. Uh, and, uh, and those chickens have come home to roost a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and he, now he's missing action for, for off-the-field issues. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home? Want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. All right. I've been thinking more and more deeply about the new tackling rule in the NFL with the lowering of the helmet, the, the personal foul potential and the ejection possibility that for a lot of people that if they, if they lower their body and kind of get in like a launching position, they could be ejected from the game. And really the whole style of tackling is changing as we know it. And I, I'm starting to think that it's going to be extremely, extremely hard to enforce this thing in a fair manner. Uh, do you think this is going to become an even greater kerfuffle than the catch rule? Is this going to, to totally transform the argument? And, and is it going to, do you think, kind of sour the product on the field this year because of maybe uh, the, the inequality in the way they'll be able to enforce it? Yeah, I, I think that this rule will be less enforced. It'll be one of those rules that's more on paper and probably less enforced. I mean, by the way it's written down, I just don't see how the you know the sport of football can can be what it is. Uh, and I, it's sometimes it's you know it's impossible to think if you're a defender, you're a safety, you're a linebacker. How do you tackle running backs and receivers, uh, you know, without breaking some of these rules that have now been put in place? So I am really interested to see how these rules are implemented, how they're called, uh, if and when players are kicked out, 
you know, how much how much control does the NFL have on that? You know, since all these plays are reviewed back in New York, and they're sort of the uh, you know the the center of everything, and and they control so much more, sort of like hockey. Uh, we 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 will see with some of these new rules of them trying to protect the sport and protect the game and, and protect offensive players, how that, you know, ends up sort of unfolding and working out. And, and hopefully it's not costly uh, to, to, you know, with, with key points in football games or losing a player who, uh, you know, was trying to hit somebody in the chest and, and then they ducked their head and they hit with helmet to helmet and, and uh, you know, then they're out for a game or something. So mm-hmm. uh, it's some of these rules are, by the way they're written, almost seem like it's impossible to play football uh, if, you're, if you're trying to follow the rules uh, to an absolute T. Well, here's the other thing, too. Um, there have been some very high-profile referees that have resigned or retired this offseason. Ed Hockley, one of the premier officials with the big muscles, he's gone. Gene Steratore, one of the veterans, has media muscles. Media muscles. He has left, and there was another one too. I can't bring the name to mind, but uh, that's ten percent of the force. You know, well, no, even more. So let's see. There's how many games go on in a weekend with with bye weeks? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, Sixteen, yeah. and then with bye weeks, it's like twelve or thirteen. So when you take three really good refs out of circulation, uh, you're going to have, I think, probably even more uncertainty. With, with how to officiate this, uh, less conviction, maybe. And to your knowledge, it, the ejection is reviewable, but but the personal foul part of it is not, right? That's a judgment call. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would say that's correct. Yeah, the, the NFL's, you know, probably having a little bit of an officiating problem. It's a lot of work for these guys. They travel every single week, uh, you know, basically 16 weeks out of the year. They are on the road uh, getting highly scrutinized, you know, after the games, and, and which, which it should be. I'm sure the pay is fine. Most of these guys all have regular jobs. The the NFL piece is an example. Cleet Blakeman, uh, Cleet Blakeman wrecked the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, lives in Omaha, not far from me. I see him every once in a while. And he's a lawyer in town. Uh, he's chasing every ambulance that's, uh, you know, got a siren going. So uh, he, uh, but he, you know, this is a, so it's a part-time sort of side gig for him that does take up his entire fall, traveling all the time away from his family you know, all those types of things. I'm sure it's a great thrill, but uh, it's definitely a, a big sacrifice that he has to make uh, to do that. So uh, I think, you know, I know uh, Gene Steratore is a college basketball referee also. I think he's a pretty big-time college basketball referee. So uh, the, I think he does that full-time for, for his job. I thought he owned some sort of, like, plumbing parts company or something like that up in North Jersey. He used to work our Giants practices every once in a while. So... Yeah, the, uh, the the NFL has a bit of a referee problem. You know, they've been they, they're scrutinized a ton. Uh, they, uh, you know, they're they're that's that that's the way it is. That's their job, I guess, to be, you know to scrutinize and be scrutinized. But it's not it's not a great position to be in. Uh, you know, you know, a few years ago when they had the whole uh, you know sort of referee situation when they were you know trying to fight for a better contract and the NFL refused to budge. You know, this 11, 12, 13 billion dollar industry, annual industry, refusing to budge on, you know, a few thousand bucks more for these referees. Uh, I'm sure all those types of things have added up. And we, we've seen some really good referees who aren't super old. These are not, you know, 75 year old men uh, who are retiring. These guys are in good shape and, and I'm sure could still do the job, but have decided that they don't want to. Yeah, the the Vikings had Jerome Boger, the the referee, at their practices uh, during minicamp. I think just to get some reps in, just to help enforce sort of the, those new policies. And it's hard 
the, the problem is it's hard in off-season workouts to say, oh, he's not tackling right. He's not tackling right because no one's tackling. So you can't really get used to that until preseason. So there's going to be, I think, probably a lot of flags in preseason because they're going to try to to identify what's a penalty and what's not. And I'm sure they can always you know reel that back in in the regular season and they can start saying, okay, we're only going to throw for the most egregious offenses. I don't think they want to come out guns blazing, uh, making six extra penalties a game, especially of the 15-yard variety. I, I just think they have to ease in this new policy, don't you? Yeah, and, and just try to you know interpret it. I think it's you know, there's the policy that's written and there's, there's a policy that's actually uh, called and, and the way they use it and the way, uh, you know, what actually is a penalty. So I, I think that's going to be the challenge is uh, as written, uh, if you interpret it sort of word for word as the words are, I think it's almost impossible to play football. So my guess uh, is that it won't be, you know, sort of as strict and to the rule uh, as the, the way the, the, you know, this, uh, these new tackling and new helmet rules are, are written. As I said, it's football is a violent game. Anytime you're trying, you know, on my side, I'm trying to stop you with at, at basically immediately. The difference between football and rugby, you know, is that and a lot of times people say football's more violent than rugby. Who they don't wear pads or helmets really is that you know rugby that you don't have to get them down immediately. Not every inch counts. Not every foot counts, right? You just got to get them down to the ground. In football, every inch, every foot counts. So not just get them down, but get them down as quickly as possible, which means the more violent hit. And that's why football has become such a violent sport. Okay, I know you got to go, but I want to tell you what I'm thinking about for our next show. I want us to discuss what the next NFL collective bargaining agreement is going to look like. It expires after the 2020 season, so we've got three more seasons under the current setup. I'm sure that they will have a, a very controversial, it'll be a heated discussion. The game has already changed so much since the last CBA um, the players, I'm sure, will want better. The owners will dig their heels in. Let's talk about what that might look like in three years uh, and how the league might change. That can be our next show. I know you got to run. So, Sage, uh, dwell on that, and uh, we'll, we'll open up that can of worms next time. Sounds good. Great show. All right. He's Sage Rosenfels. I'm Sam Ekstrom. It's Locked On Vikings, the Locked On Podcast Network, and LockedOnVikings.com. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.